what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP Community, the community of adult children of aging parents. There are now an estimated 15 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who in some way are caring for their aging parents. And there are many, many more millions throughout the world who are caring for another aging loved one. One thing we all have in common is that we want our loved ones to have the best care possible, but we also are concerned about our own life now and as we age. In this podcast, Mary Mitchell, Family Caregiver Support Specialist with the Area Agency on Aging in Hickory, North Carolina, answers the plea that can sometimes surface as we care for an aging loved one. Help! In other words, who can help me help my mom, my dad, my loved one? Where do I go for information to be sure I'm doing what's best for them? And is there anyone who understands how difficult this can be sometimes? In this podcast, you'll learn practical tips and insights, and most especially, you'll discover who in your area, regardless of where you are, is there to help. So without any further delay, I'm going to turn the conversation over to our expert, Mary Mitchell. I'm so glad to be here with everyone this evening. And one thing I want to mention to everybody is that um, you know, the things we're going to talk about this evening, I think everyone here this evening is probably at a completely different place from the next person beside you on the, uh, on the computer here on the screen. And so um, I know we're all in different places this evening. And so some of the things that I'm going to share with you, you're going to be like, yep, been there, done that, got it, <laughs> uh, check. And that'll be good too. And then for some of you, I hope it's going to be helpful to, uh, that you'll be able to um, glean a few things from what I'm talking about this evening. You know, a lot of times when I'm talking with caregivers, I'm talking with professional caregivers or those in the community, um, a lot of times you don't realize that, oh, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that idea or I thought about it, but I forgot about it and maybe I should try that. So, so a lot of times I bring up things just to remind people that there are things out there that will help you um, and uh, be, be open to those new things that may not be exactly what maybe you were thinking about at one time or another, but or you may thought about it one time or another, but you've forgotten about it. So um, I'm just going to open up a little bit about our Family Caregiver Support Program. It's a federally and state funded program, um, which is nationwide. And so um, when we were talking about um, speaking this evening, I, and you know, Vince mentioned we may have a few people from different parts of the country to, to join in tonight, I thought, well, that's perfect because they can hear my Southern accent. <laughs> the people often stop and go, where are you from? Uh, but they can also learn a little bit of information about the Family Caregiver Support Program that's across the nation. Um, and the nice thing is, is that, uh, as I, and I'll probably repeat myself on this, is that once you learn about the Family Caregiver Support Program, if you do not know where yours is, where your Family Caregiver Support um, Program Specialist is, I can help you with that. In North Carolina, I can help you find that in California or Pennsylvania, so, uh, or whatever state you're, you're joining us from. So just keep that in mind as we're talking tonight. You know, in the field of aging and caregiving, the National Family Caregiver Support Program was created in 2000 under the Older Americans Act. And you know, it became a game changer for caregivers. And you wonder why? Well, because with this federal program that uh, provided this funding, it's made it possible now for every state in the United States 
to address these family-related matters that were historically, um, you know, just under the rug, they weren't talked about, maybe didn't realize that caregivers needed help. Um, so that's the nice thing about this is that it, over these last years, it has changed the way that um, everyone looks at caregivers and that um, there's more thought that goes into caregivers and more information for caregivers. So our program, it offers a range of services that um, include information for caregivers, like assistance for, for um, caregivers and education, for caregivers who are trying to cope with their situation um, and challenges, yes, that caregivers may have. And one of the biggest parts of this that I um, am glad that we can offer is the respite services for caregivers. And we're gonna be talking about that a little bit later. Um, because a lot of times caregivers don't think that they need respite or a break from their responsibilities. But um, I will tell you right quick that you do, and uh, I'll be uh, bugging you about it until you do take a break. Um, and we also provide supplemental services. Um, those are provided on a limited basis, um, such as like home modifications, maybe a wheelchair ramp, uh, grab bars, those kinds of things for those families who are not able to do that. Incontinent supplies, uh, liquid nutrition, such as that the boost and ensure. So, so many times when a caregiver is caring for their loved one or a neighbor, um, you know, or they're going to the doctor, everyone is asking the caregiver about the family member, right? So when you're caring for someone who is sick or ill, um, they're asking about the family member that you're caring for, but they may not be asking about the caregiver. And I think that's, you know, that, that makes sense. They should be because they're the ones that who are needing the care. But you know, I say then with, uh, with the Family Caregiver Support Program, we're gonna focus on that caregiver and we're going to ask how you're doing. And sometimes that kind of takes our caregivers uh, back a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, nobody's, I'm not used to people asking about me. And so um, we try to give the caregivers that, that um, focus if they will allow us to. So anyway, um, Caregiving often creeps up on us, right? It can come one of two ways. It can creep up on us where maybe you just start by dropping by someone's house and, and maybe bringing a meal for them, doing some laundry, um, maybe mowing their yard or taking dad to an appointment. And then over time, you realize that you're a caregiver. And many times caregivers don't want to admit that, that they are a caregiver because they think, oh no, I can't take on another role yet. They're doing all of these extra things for someone. They're running errands for them, maybe staying over with them, helping them with meals, but they don't want to call themselves a caregiver. That's adding to yet another responsibility that they may have. And some of you, I think, will probably agree with that. But you know, sometimes caregiving comes on in just an instant. It can be with a major health event, um, maybe a stroke or a heart attack or an accident. And, um, and then suddenly you realize that you are a caregiver and whether you, whether you plan for it or not, you're right in the middle of that. And so this becomes the new norm. You know, I think a lot of us have talked about the new norm uh, with the pandemic that's out there now that's, that has started. And so I think we all understand what that is. And sometimes with that new norm, that's the way things, the path that we follow. And sometimes that changes again and we have to go to on another path. And, and you know, sometimes this caregiving can be overwhelming and stressful. Um, for the caregiver. And often, um, I think caregivers don't always realize that they can receive some help or they don't ask for that because they're taking this on and they don't realize that there is help out there for them. So we're gonna talk a little bit about caregiving in America. I think Vince is the one before this, the one that you're on now. Yeah, when you just keep sorry guys, we're gonna scroll back up. There we go, right there. Um, and you notice that chart there, caregiving in the United States in 2020. This was a report that was a joint survey done by National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP. Vince sent this out to you guys by email a little bit earlier today. And if you haven't had time to look at it, that's fine. We just wanted to make sure that you have it uh, in your hands to maybe look over after the meeting tonight. You know, the study finds that there were several really interesting things that came out of this study. Um, they, it finds that the number of family caregivers in the United States has been on an increase 
since 2015. So from 2015 to 2020, the total uh, number of caregivers went up 9.5 million. Now, when I saw that on paper, I, when I saw the arrow going up on the paper, that I thought I couldn't believe that it was hard to believe that the number of caregivers has increased. I knew it had, but I didn't realize to what extent it had. Um, and also it shows that, and, and if you haven't had a chance to look at it yet, it shows that one in five Americans are caregivers. Now, I will mention, I wanna go ahead and, and give you this, that the survey was completed this past year, but it was before COVID-19. So I'm guessing, and I think some of you probably are too, that the numbers are, have changed since this, uh, and, but the survey just came out this, I think it was this spring that it came out right before uh, COVID had really hit. Um, and so I think what we're going to see is that that number has increased. And I, and I think for whatever, for so many different reasons, um, I think we're going to see that increase, that number increase. So it'll be interesting if they come back to, uh, to kind of alter that a little bit in the next year. I hope they will, because I'd like to see. So we're talking about more than one in five Americans, and that's 21% of caregivers, and they've provided care to an adult or child with special needs as well. And so they've included those family members who have cared for a child as well. And one interesting thing that I found on this was that um, more and more adults are providing care to, they said on the, on the chart here, to multiple people now, with 24%, 24% of Americans are caring from for two or more recipients. Um, and one thing that I've noticed when I read that, I'm glad that they put that on there because I thought about it and that's something that has happened that I have noticed a change in. I'm receiving, I can't tell you how many more calls I'm getting now from caregivers in our community. I cover a four county area. Uh, my counterpart is here, Teresa is here, who covers another part of North Carolina. So I'm glad to have Teresa with us and she can probably confirm this. That we're receiving more and more calls now um, from those who are caring for more than one person. I have to tell you about a caregiver that um, I've worked with in our community. She, uh, she and her husband had moved here from another state 20 years ago. Well, during that time, her parents moved here as well, moved down the street. Okay. Well, now she has been caring for both of her parents who live close to her. And just recently, they moved her father-in-law in to live with them. She's caring for three people and at one point was trying to work and it was just not going to happen that she could. Unfortunately, she had to leave her job to be able to care for them, but that's how dedicated this family was to caring for, their, her, for her parents and for her father-in-law. The only thing that um, scared us all was when an emergency happened, to two of those family members within one week. So, and some of you I'm sure are gonna nod on this and you've been there, done that as well with an emergency happening. She she had it all worked out, was even, and I was so proud of her. She was getting her yoga class in every morning. So proud of her, good job, <laughs> taking care of herself while she was taking care of everyone else. But when this happened, she there wasn't a lot that she could do. Um, we were able to step in and help her get someone to stay with her mother while she was um, at the doctor's office with her father-in-law, her father had just been admitted to the hospital um, several days early. So, um, and then here her mother was by herself. She was juggling a lot, if you can imagine. Um, so I know this was hard for her, but the Family Caregiver Support Program was there that could help her at that time and help her with resources because her, the rest of her family was out of state. They were in another state. So they weren't able to just drop everything with their jobs to get here that quickly. So, um, so anyway, um, that kind of gives you an example of what we're seeing now. And, you know, with this new report from AARP and from the National Alliance for Caregivers, it may not show the best news, but to me, it, it is assuring us that, and assuring every caregiver that sees that, you're definitely not alone on this, on this journey because, and it's showing our um, officials, look at, the number of caregivers we have in our nation now that are caring for a loved one. And um, it gives us the opportunity to assure the caregivers that we're here to help them if needed. So uh, I'm glad to see this report. I'm glad this is coming out because too many times this, these um, 
reports are not out there for, for people to see to know what their need is in the community. And I think it's making a difference to get this nationally known so that people know what, what's going on out there. Um, if you and I, like I said, I believe you received this from Vince. If you, if you don't have it, deleted it, whatever, let us know and I'll be glad to get that to you uh, if you need it. Vince, we'll go to the next slide. Yeah, the caregiving role. Oops. Mine on my screen. Okay, so, you know, caregivers, they range from spouses, partners, adult children, parents, aunts, uncles, nephews. Um, you know, there's a wide range of caregivers out there. And, you know, whether your relationship with the person you're caring for, it, it's important that you add the title caregiver to it. And I mentioned that just a little earlier, and I'll probably say that a couple more times before I finish, is that um, it's important that you add that to it because it, it validates what you're doing. Um, yeah, I'm just helping here and there. I'm doing this. I'm helping them out with meals. I'm helping with laundry. But it validates what you're doing. And I think that's really important when we go out to um, search for resources out there that we need to say that you're the caregiver. And you know, there are no, and I, I just said this, there are no two caregiving stories that are the same, no two caregiving journeys that are the same. Every caregiving journey is different. But I always want to stress to caregivers that even though that their journey isn't the same as everyone else's, they're definitely not alone on this journey. As we looked at on that, um, that report and the survey that there are 53 million caregivers and I guarantee you that they did not get the caregiving 101 class to begin their journey. You know, like I mentioned, some caregivers move into this um, gradually and then some are totally thrust into it in minutes. Um, and I think we've heard so much of that with COVID-19 this, this year that so many people are thrust into it very quickly, as quickly as that um, it spreads and is, um, it increases in intensity in our bodies, I should say. Um, and so a lot of times we don't have the information for it and we're not going to be going out to take a class when we really don't think that, we don't know that we're going to need that. Um, you know, I've been a caregiver several different times in my life. And each time, each caregiving situation was different for me, just in my life. And my responsibilities were very different every time. And there wasn't anyone standing at the door at the hospital or uh, when I left the doctor's office ready to tell me every, everything I needed to know. I mean, how could they? Because every situation is different, you know, as we left to go home. So that's why most caregivers, I think, feel alone. And that's why or they feel isolated because they maybe think that they aren't the only one. Um, but our National Family Caregiver Support Program, it, it helps to step in and support caregivers as much as possible. You know, during this time I have, when uh, everything first happened and we were all socially isolated at first, I started calling some of our caregivers that had been in our support groups. And, you know, I have to say, I was expecting to hear some really down, weary caregivers. And what I heard from caregivers was, I should have known this, y'all. I should have known this. What I heard from them was, you know, we're doing okay. You know, we're home together. We're going to do this and we're going to um, get through this one way or another. I heard more positive talk from caregivers than I, um, I dreamed would happen. I just knew that it was going to be, they felt more isolated, which they do. Caregivers do. And some of you that are caregivers on this meeting, probably do feel that way, and some of you are probably nodding at that. Um, but it was like, let's shore it up and we're gonna do this. So I was really proud of our caregivers um, for saying that and for feeling that way that, you know, I know this is this is hard on all of us, but we're gonna get through this. Um, and so just checking in with them made a difference. But, um, you know, caregivers play other roles as well, because you can be employed part-time, you may be full-time raising children, a volunteer, a spouse, um, other family commitments. You know, if it's someone who lives in another household, you're taking care of your household plus trying to help them. them. And so adding caregiving to this can lead to frustration and exhaustion many times. Um, and you might have to navigate different services, call your doctors about different things and, and advocate for your loved one and taking care of their daily needs while you try to do all the other things in your life that were, that were part of your everyday life your norm, I guess you could say. Um, and so, like I said, caregivers are rarely trained for this, 
But what I find is, is that most caregivers are, say, are saying, let me step up and do this, and I can do this. And I encourage families to do that. Vince, we'll go to our next slide. So now we're uh, looking at this, the statistics. And this is, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't always put a lot of weight into to statistics. Some things I do. But um, statistics say that the typical caregiver is a 49-year-old woman who takes care of a relative. Um, but I think caregivers on the whole are becoming more and more diverse. Um, and men, as you, as you see on here, it says 39% of caregivers are male. And uh, men are often stereotyped as failing to take on caregiving responsibilities. And there, you see that the statistics show that 39% of family caregivers are men. And this was interesting to me that they provided 23 hours a week of care. And I can tell you that I have found that to be very different from the caregivers, the male caregivers that I work with and that I talk with and that we have assisted. Um, I received lots and lots of calls from men searching for help um, to care for a loved one. And the interesting thing is, it's not necessarily just someone's wife. It may be their mother, their sister, their aunt, um, their uncle. Um, I had a caregiver to call me. He was caring for his brother who lived near him. And um, had his brother had lived along for all these years. And he had stepped in to care for him for the last, I think it was around eight years, and um, was very involved with his care and very um, empathetic um, with, with what his brother was going through and tried to help him in, in any way he could. Um, one thing I found, and I don't know, some of you guys that are on the phone, some of you get, uh, women might agree with this or not, I don't know, but I have found that many men who are calling me are calling me very early in their journey. Um, a diagnosis is found out, something has happened, and I get I, most of the calls that I get from men say, um, if we're the beginning of this, what do I need to do? And the idea I'm looking at from these caregivers is that um, they want to do the best job that they can, and they may be going down an avenue they have no clue what they're doing, but they're asking for help. You know, I had a gentleman to call me that we were able to help, and he had been caring for his wife for around five years. Um, she had been diagnosed with dementia, and he had taken that on, taken that responsibility on from day one. Uh, he gathered as much information as he could about dementia. We gave him a few phone numbers to call with the Alzheimer's Association in North Carolina, um, dementia, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, uh, to call them to ask them for information. Um, and he was very attentive to caring for her. But he called me one day and he said, um, you know, look, I don't really think that I need this, but my friend, he, he just won't stop bugging me about this. He told me if I called you that I could get a break and that I could go place it around the golf. He said, you know, I used to go with my wife, but you know, I don't, we haven't gone in five years to play golf and I, I really don't want to take her with me out on the golf course um, because he said she'll get confused and I just don't think that's right for her. He said, I just don't think I should do this. I said, let me tell you, I can help you with, with, with finding someone who can stay with your wife while you go to that golf, golf game with your friend. Try it once. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep going. Try it once. That's all I'm asking you to do. He said, okay, I don't think I need it, but I'm going to go. <laughs> I think most of you can guess what happened after we were able to arrange for him to have some cake, his wife to have someone to stay with him. They fixed her lunch while they were there. They did a puzzle with her, watched her favorite afternoon programs with her, and she really didn't miss him that much because she was with someone who was her friend during that time. You know, he went for that one round of golf and um, made a difference. It made enough difference that he realized how important it was for him to take that break and for him to go out with his friend. He came back home, he realized with a little more confidence and feeling a little more confident about what he was doing, and um, actually more focused on his wife. The interesting thing is when he realized that she was okay without him for a few, few hours, it made all the difference in the world. And I guess you can gather, there have been some more golf games since then. <laughs> so I'm really proud of him as a caregiver to say, you know, look, I can do this and I can, I can do something for myself and then I can turn around and still give my wife the care she needs. So it's things like that that make a huge difference um, in, care, in caregiving and 
with male caregivers. So, you know, when I see some statistics now about, and some of the things that are said about male caregivers, I'm finding a big turn in that. And I'm seeing a huge difference because um, I'm hearing a lot of males say, or a lot of men say that they um, want to care for a loved one and they want to do it right. So that, that says a lot to me. Oh, and by the way, on that um, um, study, well, I've, I've also learned that, you know, North Carolina, for those of you in North Carolina, we do follow along with the nation on this. We, it is shown from the North Carolina Medical Journal that one in five adults are caregivers in North Carolina, which follows right along with the way the United States is too. So, uh, I, in which that didn't surprise me either, but I was glad to see the North Carolina Medical Journal actually get a report on caregivers that they did. And if any of you want the link to that, I'll be glad to send it to you because it was really important to me that they actually did this and showcase um, caregivers and the, the, the role that they play. This will move to the next one. Ah, you might be a caregiver if, and I, you know, I would, this would be interesting to hear if some of you uh, kind of identify with some of these statements that I was gonna say, and some of you are gonna go, yes, 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 did that, did that. <laughs> to every statement I make, and some of you just maybe need to. So, so someone might be a caregiver if they regularly make phone calls to check in on a loved one. Yes, you're a caregiver. If you drive a family member, friend, or neighbor to a doctor appointment, make meals for someone, or prepare meals for someone, help someone with household chores, such as meal prep, cleaning, or grocery shopping, uh, transportation, helping someone with their monthly bills managing daily medications. You know, like I said, some of these caregiving times start gradually and it may just be helping with daily medications or providing assistance with something. But then moving into more personal care, such as helping with bathing and dressing over time. And so um, any of these things, whether it's all of these things or a few of these things, I think for caregivers, you are a caregiver and, um, and own that because that makes such a difference. You know. If you think of yourself as a caregiver, you may take on more responsibility for learning about how you can be a better caregiver. Um, and so the more that when you say you're a caregiver and you say that you are going to do your best to help your loved one, there's some pride that goes with that and dedication for caregiving. And I've found that to be very true of many, many caregivers that I've talked with. That I've talked with. Um, but a lot of times we take it on, once we say, okay, we're a caregiver, we say, I can do this, I can do this on my own. And I tell caregivers, that's not always the best way to be. Yes, I think that's wonderful and notable that you want to do that. But most of you know, things can change in an instant and you can need more help. So I say, be open to asking for help, be open to talking to medical staff about the, uh, what your caregiver, the, your loved one is going through, what the issues are, be sure to educate yourself. You know, that makes all the difference in the world. Um, and you own it. And it gives you more confidence in your role as a caregiver. Because uh, many times I've had caregivers who were almost afraid to get the information because they didn't know what they were going to do with it. Once they, once they did get the information, they were afraid of what might be ahead. But knowledge is power as we all know and when i remind them of that it makes all the difference in the world uh, and and before i finish on this slide i have to give you a few of the lighthearted responses when people were asked you might be a caregiver if, and i think some of you might be able to relate to this and i can tell you i did um you might be a caregiver if going to the grocery store alone feels like a vacation but you know Unfortunately, with the pandemic uh, right now, that's not necessarily the case. I think for most of us, we want to get in in that grocery store and get back out as quick as possible or have the, the food delivered, the groceries delivered. Um, but um, we're not having a pandemic. But you might be a caregiver if you never sort your loved one's socks because they seem to like to wear them this much. I love that one because accept it. And if they don't want to wear the same socks that match, they don't have to because it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> you might be a caregiver if you remember to refill your loved one's prescriptions, but you forget about your own. I've been there, done that. And um, you might be a caregiver if you can name off medications, what they are for and their side effects faster than the nurse can. So I hope that brings a little bit of a smile to your face when you think about some of those, because um, looking at the lighter side of caregiving, which is a whole nother talk of mine, 
um, makes a world of difference. And so looking at the lighter sometimes can, lighter side of things can help. So this, we're gonna to go to the next one. And the first steps to, for new caregivers, and um, you know, I just wanted to briefly mention a couple of things because um, caregiving typically, there again, looking at statistics, typically lasts, they say, five and a half years. Now, a lot of times you may be helping someone with things along the way for several years and not even realize that you have been down that road for several years. Um, and a lot of times caregivers feel a lot of emotional stress as things begin to um, add up along the way. So if you need a caregiving, it's easy to become overwhelmed as a new caregiver. But a couple of things that I wanted just to mention to you that might help you along the way. And some of you are that are veteran caregivers um, may agree with this. And some of you, these things you may do, you may have done and some you didn't. But um, identify yourself as a caregiver, like I said. And then get, when you're with your loved one at their uh, medical appointment, um, ask questions. Learn as much as you can from the medical staff. Um, take that notebook with you. Have it ready to write those things down. I can't imagine any medical staff um, not appreciating you opening that notebook to say, okay, these were the questions I had before we came today. These are the questions that I'd like to have answered. Now, what were you saying about this and this? Explain this and this to help you better care for your loved one when you return home. Um, and learn what specific skills you need because to care for your loved one. And that's, that's reaching out to the community and those who have access to the internet, you can get it from the library. You know, because you're gonna care for someone with dementia very differently than you're gonna care for someone with heart disease, right? And so it's important to find those, thing out, those things out. You know, I had a caregiver to talk with me one time and he was caring for his wife who had Parkinson's. He had no clue where he was going with things and he didn't know what to do. I was able to get him in touch with the Parkinson's Association with information. We had books that we could send to them, information, and he didn't have access to the internet. And so what I did was I went and, and printed medical um, information for him that he could then mailed it to him that he could have available because he didn't know where he was going with all this. And of course, I, I referred him to the library as well. And that's something he hadn't even thought about doing. Also, talk about finances and healthcare wishes because a lot of times that unknown. Now, the last several months, we've all been a part of the unknown, right? And uh, things are not like we normally have our new norm. Um, and so a lot of times, if you don't know about finances or healthcare wishes, you may not know what to do next. So that's out there in the unknown that you may not realize what you need to know about your loved one before you get to that point. Any legal work, any legal paperwork, um, power of attorney, advanced directives. I know a lot of us have heard about these, but if you if you do not have these filled out, you need to complete them with your loved one because it will be you will be so grateful that you did that. I can uh, connect you with anybody that you would be interested in to learn more about that. We'd be glad to help you find the person who can help you with things because that's so important. And you know, um, talk to your family about these things. Um, we have had a lot of different family situations that we dealt with or helped with with families in our community and every family is different. You know, I encourage communication with your family and I've learned a whole lot about family issues when I've been helping family caregivers because I've helped families who have had tons of siblings that live within several miles of the loved one they're caring for. And there's one family member who's doing the work. Does that sound familiar to some of you? Because they're the closest to them or they were the ones that um, stepped in first to help. So everyone else steps back and lets them do that. That's really hard for a caregiver. And I, I encourage communication with families. Uh, talk with your family, if, even if they aren't helping, let them know where things are, where you stand with things with your loved one. Because if they don't know what the needs are, that may be one of the reasons why they're not helping. But then I go to the other extreme where I've had families who, three siblings, they all, two of them work full-time. They had a spreadsheet of who was coming when, but they, they, there were two hours on several days a week that they couldn't quite find somebody to come and stay with their loved one, so they needed that help. 
with getting someone to come in for those couple of hours. They were very well organized. I was overwhelmed by all of the organization. But that's the difference in families. Um, I've talked with many families in which um, an only child, they're the only one who can help their loved one, or they may be in a different city and don't have any friends that can help them, or a church that can help them. Um, and so it's very different for families. And a lot of times, if you do have friends or family, even communicating with your friends the needs that you have, it makes all the difference in the world because, believe it or not, you may have some friends that want to help you that haven't stepped in. And the main reason they haven't is because they didn't know what they needed. Um, they didn't know what was needed by your family or by your loved ones. So how could they help if they didn't know? And so I think there are many of us, and I am at the very top of the list on this. It's like, okay, we'll deal with this. I know we can. I don't need to share this with everybody. But then what I've learned is if I go ahead and share it with my friends and family, especially my friends, they jump in and want to help immediately. We have a, a friend who is caring for, well, she's actually caring for her husband. He always did the lawn mowing, and she never did it. Well, it was getting pretty bad. You know, nobody had stepped in to help. She just happened to mention it on a list search somewhere that she had, they hadn't mowed the yard in, I forget how long. And one of the friends jumped in. He was there within, I think, just a few minutes and mowed the grass for her and was so happy to be able to help because he knew of something he could help with. And that's what I tell caregivers. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you don't share this information, no one's going to know. And so it helps to get the help you need when you need it. So it makes a huge difference. So I say communication, communication is huge. We do a, a class, uh, many of us in uh, family caregiver specialists across North Carolina do this, and it is available in other states as well. It's called Powerful Tools for Caregivers. It's a six week class that we provide, and Teresa, I believe is offering it virtually, or getting ready to offer it virtually. Um, it's a six week class for caregivers. We meet once a week, and we talk about different things that caregivers um, tools that caregivers need for their caregiver journey. And communication, is, we do one whole session on communication. And we talk about family meetings and how important family meetings are. Um, that was one thing that I, I had a tough time with, family meetings. <laughs> I didn't see the importance of it until I was caring for, we were caring for my mother and we needed the family to jump in and help. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do this. Had a family meeting that made all the difference in the world because some of the family members who were out of town did not realize that there was there were certain needs that were not being met or couldn't be met by just myself so it makes it makes a big difference to do to do that it the powerful tools for caregivers um look it up online that like i said with COVID 19 now they're actually doing this virtually and it's available to those who are trained to be leaders of that across the united states and it's an excellent class um, for you to take and um, usually if there is a charge, it's a minimal charge for the class. Okay, then so we're gonna move to the next one. Um, with the email that Vince sent you guys out earlier today, he sent this um, chart that's here on the slide. It's the AARP preparedness for caregivers um, during COVID-19. And it's a very simple chart and if you haven't read it, like I said, it's something you can have for later. Um, so don't worry if you haven't looked at it, it's fine. It's some very simple things that, that you might be interested in to look at because a lot of times in the unknown, um, you know, to say, let me back up and to say that the coronavirus outbreak, um, it has been a challenging time for all of us. I think we all agree. Um, and I think it's an understatement to say that it's, it's been a challenging time. But I think it's especially been so for caregivers. Caregiving alone, can, it can trigger a host of difficult emotions that we may not have experienced before and that we may not know how to deal with. And so adding in the social distancing and the recent, as I've said, the new norm with the coronavirus, it adds new layers of things for all of our lives, not just for those of us who are caregiving. So connecting to others as a caregiver, as a caregiver is really important whether it's with the medical staff or connecting with other caregivers. But one thing that the emotional side of this is that what we have found with caregivers is that um, there's the unknown of what ifs. All of these what ifs could happen um, because the COVID-19 is here. 
and all of us are dealing with what ifs, right? In one way or another, we're dealing with what if, what if this, what if this happens, what if something happens to me as a caregiver, what if I have to go to the hospital? And so this preparedness for caregivers kind of puts, shine some light on that for the caregiver. And, and if you like this, which I do, um, this, this sheet kind of gives you a list of things to be thinking about. And for some of you, it may not help you at all, but for some of you, it may spark an idea that, you know, I really hadn't thought about doing it this way. By pulling a team together, that's one of the things that they talk about, um, inventory of essential items and determine what you would need. Maybe go ahead and plan ahead for extra food or medications and things that, that your loved one may need in the future and maybe plan for those. Um, see about ordering, see if you can get extra medication so that you can have plenty out there, the 90 days or whatever, so that you know that your loved one has a prescription field for a longer period of time so that there's not a panic if something were to happen to you. And then creating, I love number four is create a plan to stay connected because we talked about the isolation and what a huge issue that is, that it's so important to stay connected to others. And, you know, just a virtual support group is really important. If any of you have participated in a support group virtually, I applaud you for seeking those out. The nice thing now about a virtual support group is that you can connect with a support group in another city, another region, another state. Um, by being a part of that, it makes a huge difference. Whereas before, if you didn't have a support group in your community, you may not have as much support as you needed. This way, you can go online and you can join another support group for specific issues maybe that you're dealing with. And one of the things that I like about this is that being in our rural areas that we are, not everyone has access to the internet. And so the nice thing about these virtual support groups is that their phone number usually comes with those as well. And so we have made sure that those in the rural areas of our community have had the 800 number or the 866 number or whatever it is to call into that support group. And we've had several to take advantage of that. And it made all the difference in the world. Now, sometimes I think we're hesitant to join a support group because we think, I, I'm not talking about this, I'm just not going to. Well, I've had caregivers to come to a support group that made it very clear to me before they started. Now look, I do not talk. I'm not gonna talk about this situation. I just wanna be with others and know that there are others like me going through this. <laughs> what I found is usually they were the ones that talked the most because once that guard was down, it made a huge difference because it's like, oh, you're going through the same thing I am. Oh, you're dealing with the same thing I am. It made all the difference in the world. So I encourage you, if you haven't joined one or haven't tried one, all I do is just like the golf game with my caregiver, try it once, just give it a try and see if it's something that you might enjoy or appreciate connecting with others. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to communicate with everybody. You can listen and appreciate that they're going through similar things that you are. So I encourage you to try it. And like I said, um, if you know someone who is a caregiver that may not have access to the internet, there are no numbers to call. I can provide you with information about uh, support groups that I know about virtual support groups that are out there now that are helping individuals um, and get help get you connected with someone. And I'm sure that there are some in your community as well, so seek them out. But anyway, um, I think this preparedness for caregivers during COVID-19 is just a great resource to remind us again of a couple things that maybe if we do some of these things and look ahead and plan, we may not have as much stress on us in our lives if we think ahead a little bit. Okay, then so I'll move to the next one. I don't want to take too much more of our time. I don't want to go over my time here. So keys to caring for yourself. Uh, there are lots of things that um, caregivers go through when they're caring for a loved one. And I think many of us are familiar with them. Um, one of the biggest ones, you know, it could be sleep disorders, anxiety, um, absenteeism from work and loss of friendships. That was one of the things that has hit me more than anything from some caregivers is loss of friendship. You know, um, I had a caregiver who called and she was caring for her husband who had dementia 
and uh, she informed some information about dementia. And we have a program in North Carolina called Project Care. It's, it's specifically for families who are caring for someone who, with dementia. Um, and it's a program that's all across North Carolina. It's a state-funded program. And there may be uh, similar ones in your state. Um, and I'm not sure if there are, but uh, other states have programs that are specific to their, um, their residents. So you might, it might be something for you to check out. I know that this project here is specifically for North Carolina, for those of you in North Carolina. And they help family members with um, information about dementia. If there are certain issues that they're dealing with, they can help them with those and help walk them through them. Um, but anyway, as we were talking about that in, in the, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, I gave a phone number to call. And then finally, she mentioned about not being able to talk with her friends anymore because everyone had kind of fallen to the wayside. I encouraged her, I took that door and opened it really fast because I was glad she opened up to me about that a little bit because I wanted to make sure that um, she sought out some help. And I mentioned dementia cafes. I don't know if any of you have um, or caregiver cafes for those who are dealing with dementia. And the nice thing about this is the dementia cafes, and they're all across the United States, um, that families can go to and the loved ones that they're caring for can be together and the caregivers are together. And it's a wonderful time to take your loved one with you to that dementia cafe and, and talk with other caregivers, but your loved one is with you as well. So I took the opportunity to share that with her. Now, right now, of course, they aren't meeting uh, in person. We hope that they will down the road once we're behind, this pandemic is behind us. And I'm guessing that some are doing it virtually now too. Um, but that, I'm sorry, I didn't check into that before we met this evening, but um, that's something that I talked to her about that I thought would be really important for her to connect. It, it was, I talked to her about other support groups, but that was one thing that I knew might be beneficial to her. And I saw her eyes light up a little bit when we talked about it, so I was glad to see that. But um, it's important that you reach out to other individuals in the community and find out what the, what's out there for you. Oh, and backing up, I will tell you that if, um, if you will mention to um, Vince or to Francis that you would like the information about Project Care, uh, they'll pass that along to us and we'll make sure that you guys get that information about the contact information for a representative of, of Project Care in your community. Okay, Vince, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, and I'll just briefly mention this about um, over 60% of all family caregivers work. One thing that we do with the Family Caregiver Support Program is that we reach out to employers in our community to let them know about resources that are available. And I've shared this before. I have contacted employers in the community who have said that um, I don't know any of my caregivers, you know, several hundred employees. I don't know if any of my employees that are caring for somebody. Um, but if I do, I'll let you know. And I've, I've had that all the way to the other end of the, spec, the spectrum where I called the HR department of an, of an organization or a company and they said, oh, I have six caregivers right now who are trying to juggle their work and their caregiving at the same time, bringing any information you can. So, um, you know, I know that employers are not always open to this, but um, we try to make sure that employers know about resources that are available and try to get that conversation started. Usually that happens through the human resource department and I've been um, blessed, I guess you'd say, honored to be able to get in touch with some of our HR departments in our across our region of our organizations and companies. And some of them have been open to me coming and I sit in a break room and I wait for somebody to take a break and they let them know that we're there. I sit there with my information and I can't tell you the number of people that we've been able to help. And all it took was something simple for an employer to say, yes, you can come and sit up in our break room, somewhere in our cafeteria, and we'll let everyone know that you're there and if they want the information. And how empowering it has been for employees to walk in there knowing that their employer said, it's okay that you're caregiving and that you get this information. We've been able to help caregivers with respite and letting them know how important that is for their their lives and how to help them juggle that and how to get resources in the community to help them continue working. And also there's been uh, times where we've been able to work with HR and their employees 
to maybe discuss some different ways of doing their job, maybe um, balancing their job where they work different schedules to maybe accommodate them caring for their loved one and being able to complete their job as well. And I can't, I, once again, I just can't tell you how empowering this has been for employees to know that their uh, employer supports them in this. And as I, also with the employer, that they realize <clears throat> that they are supporting their employees. And it's another benefit they are providing their employees. So it's a win-win situation. It's a, hasn't been an easy road to open those doors, but um, I will tell you that it, it's worked and we're, we're excited about new opportunities once we pass this pandemic to get into employee, even more employers in our area to let them know how important it is to support their employees. I encourage employees that are caregivers to say something to HR and um, talk with them about it. And there are possibilities that may be open that they may not have realized that are out there. So I just wanted to mention that briefly. I know I'm going, I'm not gonna go on too much longer. Um, what do, Vince, uh, we'll go on to the next one. Talking about what caregivers need, I think we've talked about that um, quite a bit about what caregivers need and where where they are with their caregiving and some of the things that they, they reach out to the community for. Um, caregiving has many challenges and difficulties, but it's also very rewarding. And many times I don't think caregivers give themselves the credit that they need, that there are many different kinds of help out there. There's education, um, there's counseling out there because some caregivers need counseling to help them on their journey. And I, and I encourage caregivers to accept that and to get the help that they need, whether it's spiritually or seeing a counselor, um, getting legal help. Because I think once time, once you talk about things and things are on the table, it's so much easier to deal with it that way. Um, and I think once caregivers accept that and accept that they're human, um, most many caregivers, especially starting out, think I can do all of this and I can do it by myself or my husband and I can do this. You find out that a lot of times you need the help. So reaching out to uh, individuals in the community, reaching out to your church, I think is a huge thing. If you're a member of a church, the faith-based community, um, many times those we are involved with in faith-based faith community may want to help us there again, but they don't know if we don't ask for their help. Um, and that makes all the difference in the world. Those, like I said, who are caring for someone with dementia or Parkinson's disease, there are organizations out there that can help you. And we have those numbers available and, we, and those who are caring for someone with cancer. Um, we can help you find those um, numbers to reach out to those in the community and get the help and answer the questions that you need. Vince, we'll run to the next one. Uh, we're gonna talk just briefly about respite um, because caregiving can be a 24 seven job. And I encourage you to find a way to take some respite. I have story after story that I could tell you, I won't take the time tonight to tell you how important it is that you take a break because it gives you that um, confidence to come back and help your loved one and be there for your loved one. Because of all the emotions that go along with caregiving, a lot of times um, there can be some guilt, some anger that builds up and you don't need that. You need to be able to take a break. And a lot of times reaching out to your friends you can get that help through our program. We can offer you respite through a home health agency. Um, we also have caregiver directed vouchers in our community in which we can offer you a voucher that you can choose who you want to come and stay with your loved one while you do take a break. And we can reimburse you for that. And that makes all the difference in the world for a caregiver. I know many caregivers who are caring for someone with dementia, their loved one does not want anyone to come in their house at all that they do not know. And so, is um, they're not able to have a home health agency to come in and just pop in to help with things around the house while they take a break. It needs to be someone that they know. And so with this voucher, that helps them to do that. I'm so thankful that we have those two choices. I've had caregivers who have no one in the community that they know that could even remotely help them. And so by having a home health agency that can come in for them, makes all the difference in the world. You know, I've had some caregivers that said, please, I just want somebody to come in the house and stay with my loved one while I go take a walk. Um, and that right there can make all the difference in the world. Um, adult daycare, that's an important um, 
some of the adult daycares are opening back up. I've had some caregivers, and one in particular, her husband said, absolutely not. I will not refuse to go to adult daycare. But when they found a job for him at the adult daycare that he could do while he was there, helping some others with things, everything turned around. They asked him to go one time just to visit. And they took him to the daycare, the adult daycare. And he said, I'm gonna do this one time. And that's it, it's not gonna happen again. But what he found out was there were things that he could help others with that they couldn't help themselves with. And it made all the difference in the world. When he left that day, he said, well, okay, I might, I might go once a week. <laughs> but it made all the difference just to try it. And it, gave, it made a difference for his wife because that gave her a day each week that she could focus on herself and care for herself. And it made all the difference in the world the rest of the week when she was caring for him. So I encourage you, if you know someone who's a caregiver and you currently aren't a caregiver, reach out to them. If they haven't told you what they need, um, ask them if there's something you can help with, just for a few minutes. Even to, we have a, well, I had a caregiver who was caring for his wife and some friends of theirs that they had been playing Greek with for years. But she could no longer play, play Greek. But what they could do is that while he took a break himself, the women in the group took her out for lunch. And it made all the difference in the world for him that she was with her friends because they were familiar, she knew them, and she was comfortable with them. And so that was something that gave him a break. So I, I, I encourage you to help someone or if you are a caregiver to take that break because it makes all the difference in the world. Um, and I'll finish up just by saying this last one there is that taking care of you is so many, is so important and has so many rewards. Um, you, you can honor the needs of your loved one, but also commit to taking care of yourself. It's the only way you're going to be able to sustain yourself on your caregiver journey and to give you the patience that you need on your caregiver journey. There are other resources that I, I wanted to mention to you that I have available and can send out to you. And they, this is contact information for, and I'll just mention the organizations because I know we need to finish up. The Alzheimer's Association, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. Oh, AARP has a wonderful family caregiving uh, program that they offer. I have their 800 number and their website that I can send to everyone. Caregiver Action Network. I'm sorry I didn't get to these till the end. Elder Care Locator is an 800 number you can call. They can give, answer all kinds of questions specifically for your area. I get a lot of referrals from Elder Care Locator of family members who have called in for information. The National Alliance for Caregiving has wonderful um, caregiver information on their website. Um, and the, there is a memory cafe directory. So um, I can sit on the Dementia Cafe directory with over 700 memory cafes across the United States, and I'll be glad to send that out. Patty just put the information out there on the AARP. Thank you, Patty, for that, for sending that out. Um, so I hope this has been helpful. I tried not to go on for too long, um, but just want to give you kind of general idea about some things that are out there in the community and how important some things are, asking questions are for caregivers to, to help you on that journey. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. But I'll be glad to follow up with those those phone numbers and send them on to Vince that he can send out to you guys if you would like them. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your knowledge and your insights. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. We also want to acknowledge appreciation to Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, for sponsoring this podcast. Hopefully you, our listeners, now are more aware of how to find resources in your area that can provide the support you need so you may be a more effective caregiver and advocate for your aging loved ones. This program is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and other programs they offer for free at www.themesh.tv. On that site, by clicking on the Contact Us button, you may send us a question about this podcast or even suggestions for future topics. There are two other places you may find ACAP podcasts. On Apple iTunes, you may listen to all our ACAP community podcasts and even subscribe to the show so you can receive future programs automatically. And on ACAP's website, www.acapcommunity.org, you will find all our podcasts under the podcast tab. 
And while you're on our site, we invite you to learn more about ACAP, our local chapters, and our educational programs. Thank you so much for listening. And as you continue to journey with your loved ones, please know that one of the things we've learned in ACAP is that regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, regardless of your education or anything else, when it's your mother, your father, your loved one, the need for information, resources, support, and community takes on a whole new meaning and becomes very personal. So may you find the information, resources, support, and community you need. And may this be a time and an experience that brings meaning for your life as well as for your loved ones. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.